Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 147th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. A little programming note for um, your host, Bill Bodkin here. Uh, this will be our final solo The Last of Us episode because starting next week, it's just podcasts about Pedro. That's right. We are just potting about Pedro Pascal. We're going to do so much alliteration. It's going to annoy you to no end because we're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3 and we're going to be talking about the final three episodes of The Last of Us over the next three weeks. Then we will go into a regular Mandalorian uh, season. So uh, if you love the big daddy, that is Pedro Pascal. We are your home for all things, Pedro, uh, going forward until, I guess, Easter time, guys. So enjoy all the daddy talk. Um, so, yes, we are here to talk about The Last of Us, episode six. And this was going to be a core four episode, but uh, Al Manorino somehow ended, ended up in the quantum realm. Uh, it was recently his birthday. So uh, I want everyone who's listened to this podcast to just think about Al. Think about what would put him in the quantum realm. There you go. Uh, let's just say... Uh, he messaged me that I should be watching a Formula One docu-series at one o'clock in the morning last night. Quantum. Yeah, he's there. But since we can't have Al as a part of this, and of course, Leisha Weinberger not with us this week either, those uh, funnel cake kisses really got to her and her voice completely shot. So she will 100% be joining us next week, even if she is the thickest of mushroom daddies next week. She will be with us. And if you missed last week and you want to hear all about mushroom daddies, go to find last week's episode on your uh, podcast feed. It was an absolute banger. Uh, you might have to adjust your audio a little bit because I sound like a rich Corinthian leather and everyone else sounds like a mouse. So just things happened. But so I have three of the four horse people on here because deep from the heart of Texas, back from Los Angeles, coming to us live from Casa del Flamingo, uh, Amanda Rivas. Uh, next week's a big week for you as you begin your journey as the host of this show. And I just sit back and get to be just a charismatic son of a bitch. How was Las Vegas? It was awesome. Uh did did some cosplay saw met and spoke with a lot of cool cosplayers watched brandon vice our favorite wrestler uh wrestle and do his thing he made his debut along with um casey blackrose and um the fashionista devin carter so they were they made texas proud um and yeah i saw i spent way too much money on anime stuff and i don't know where i'm gonna put it and pops and yeah but i enjoyed it i loved it and i am back and ready to talk about the hottest dad in the galaxy um and i enjoy listening to the thick mushroom daddies talk that was awesome i listened to you guys on the way back and I'm like, this is so great so everybody go back listen to the episode it was great i'm here i'm ready and uh he is uh, joining us. He has finally recovered from watching the 1978 Star Wars holiday special. Um, he was wounded deeply. It was a really rough end of the year for him. Uh, he had he had some hopes with his Washington commanders with uh, a young Howell, a quarterback. But alas, this Chewbacca's family just did him in. Itchy did him in. 
It really did. But now the man responsible for our Paramount Plus affiliate status, Ben Murkison. Um, I know you also are recovering from uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's Instagram feed. So um, you've had a rough few months, buddy. How you doing? Hey, well, the Sarah Michelle Geller Instagram feed is a very, very positive thing in my life right now. Uh, so <laughs> we got something going on. But no, I've been good. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to all my friends pod about this amazing show. So I'm uh, happy to lend my voice to it today. And what a voice it is. Thank you. But uh, before we get into everything, uh, guys, we got a pregame. Uh, Ben's already taken care of that. So uh, we are going to talk in this pregame segment. If you're brand new to the pod, uh, this is where we just talk about a little bit of news that dropped recently. Uh, In an interview Kevin Foggy did with Entertainment Weekly, uh, he confirmed uh, a bit of a new strategy for Marvel that they're kind of, quote unquote, slowing their role. And the releases and production for MCU films and shows are going to be a little more spread out and probably less released within a year uh hot off the, the the news of that the marvels which was scheduled for july is now set to be released in november perfect time for sophie bodkin to watch two of her favorite superheroes in her birthday month um also looks like we're only going to get two if maybe three uh marvel series this year we know that uh, secret invasion uh echo and um Loki season two were on deck. It might only be two of those shows. So we shall see. So guys, this is also, uh, you know, a very timely story since Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania came out a lot of backlash to that film, a film I actually enjoyed. Um, so let's talk about it. Is the Marvel burnout for real? Um, Amanda, I'm going to start with you. I, I think so. I think I is think, it real for people and is it real for you? Good question. Uh, so I think it is real for people. I feel like a lot of the negative reviews are a sign of that. Um, I think people are just, you know, with kind of back to back to back and a lot of the changes we've been bombarded with a lot of superhero news in general, whether it is Marvel, DC, there's just a lot happening there to where I think people are, might be tuning it out. There's just not as much interest, um, you know, and, and it's not to take away from the films or the TV shows. I think they, I've enjoyed all of everything that I've been able to watch. Um, for me, it it is a little bit real not that i don't love marvel i do i just don't have the same urgency to go watch stuff like normally i'm there opening night watching things or tv shows i seem to watch faster but movies there's not as it's not as urgent um because there's just a lot of other stuff going on and I, i think we've talked about it before where there's just a lot of really good really good content in general it's not just superhero you know films and shows anymore there's again star wars has got stuff coming out you know there's other really really good i mean i mean we were talking about cocaine bear earlier there are other things <laughs> there are other things out there that can compete like house of dragon you know we had the sandman we just had an influx of really good product and i think that's led to a lot of the burnout is that there's a lot more options for people to watch now and people don't always have the time either so it's kind of a mix of factors that So it's not, I don't think it's just purely Marvel burnout where it's like, oh, it's Marvel. I think there's a lot of other things that lead to that. 
for me and other people personally. I like how you talked about cocaine and then also refer to product. We are on <laughs> par here, people. I like we are. We are all on the safe wa- wavelength right now. Speaking of cocaine bears, uh, Ben, uh, no, just because this is the movie Ben has been talking about in our group chat but, for like but- a month. But he also has cocaine in his Twitter handle, doesn't he, or something? Didn't we didn't we establish that? H Special Agent Johnson, Ellis lover. <laughs> oh, he is the biggest lover of Ellis. So yeah, that would make sense. Um, he defends him constantly. So we can only assume he is the yes. quote unquote white knight. Um, Bobby. So Ben, for you, is the Marvel burnout for real? Uh, and do you think it's um uh actually, you know what? I, I want to go because Ben is just um I'm probably finding a cocaine bear at his door. Um, so for me, I'm a little bit odd because I think I had the Marvel burnout before anybody, really, because I kind of dropped out right around Ant-Man and that I was kind of in and out. And I remember I saw Black Panther uh, and that was like the last one I had really saw. And I had seen. Um, and so there was so much I missed. I didn't watch Infinity War. That's why Bill versus the MCU, the podcast exists. So and you would think after watching 39 Marvel films and Disney Plus TV shows, I would be burnt out. But I'm not because I've all rediscovered like, oh, wow, I really like this stuff. So I have this newfound uh, passion for it. So for me, I'm just like, yeah, just kiss, keep feeding me. But I do see it for people who I think, one, it got spoiled because of Endgame because it ate. I don't know. People who don't love Marvel will be like, "Mm, really, Bill, you're going to say this Endgame is kind of a perfect movie because it just tied everything together. It ended like a decade's worth of films that all tied together. But with that came the, uh, like I, I made a, a distinction a few weeks ago. I don't know if on this podcast or another about the Jackie Brown effect, how it's just like the project after like this, um, the cultural phenomenon is often a letdown. And that technically was phase four. So it's like, not everything is going to be, I'm sorry, Endgame. I didn't mean Infinity War, although Infinity War is pretty perfect too. Uh, Endgame, we have the hangover of that. So phase four is the Jackie Brown of the MCU because everyone's like, it's not Endgame. And I think that was the spoil of it that at one point everyone's like, every film has to be Endgame or on that level or Ugh, I'm overwhelmed like I was of everything is so tied together that I have to watch everything. I miss this. I don't give a shit. I want to do that. And let's face it. Marvel rushed a lot of pro- a lot of let's talk. Let's use the word product um, out there in order to, um, you know, just like we've seen New Jack City. You dilute it in the factory. Nino Brown, guys. I mean, we could do a whole New Jack City podcast if we wanted to just on the soundtrack alone. Um, New Jack Hustlers, I see. Come on. It's fantastic. But I digress. Um, Is that there was a lot of stuff that was rushed due to COVID. A lot of stuff shuffled around, shuffled around. So I think like some of the quality actually was diluted and it wasn't as great. So people kind of got burnt out about that. I mean, if you watched Moon Knight, wasn't that good? My opinion. Well, I also think, too, that... And your point, too, is now with COVID over, everything's out. Yeah, there's that. But then also, I I think, too, that, um, you know, I just popped in my head. I'm sorry about that. But um, that you, for those of us who who were early in the journey, which is, I think, most of those quite a few people, you got used to the actors that were there. And so there was a lot of expectations. You, you, You grew up with a set of actors in the film. 
and the films and the series and whatnot. And then now people are switching out. And I think that's part of it too, is you don't have the Robert Downey Jr.'s. Chris the Evans. Chris Evans. I mean, luckily we still think it is for me. Chris Hemsworth is still here. Um, <laughs> the only blonde I will ever love other than edge um, WWE reference. Thank you everybody. Uh, uh, atrocious though. Yeah. Come on. I know. I know, but still I think of blonde uh, long hair. anyway, but, um, but yeah, I feel like that, that was also a challenge is that you have new faces that are not necessarily the big box office draws and maybe that led to it as well. But I think Ben, are you? I think Ben may be good to go. Our white knight, ben, our Buddy. Yeah, I'm so. I feel like I missed a perfect transition into talking about cocaine bear there because my signal dropped out, and so that's a shame. But uh, but yeah, I should be back. And all I was going to chime in and say was that I do feel like right now I can't think of the last time there wasn't a Marvel movie or a show that was currently on TV uh, or in theaters and multiple, you know, at the same time, the majority of the time too. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't seem as bad, I guess, for me, because I'm not one that typically goes to see Marvel stuff in theaters. I tend to wait until it comes, you know, and is available to me for free. Uh, so it's a little bit more spaced out. I kind of watch it when I want to watch it. But um, if you're trying, if you're new and you're trying to step into this world, it's got to feel daunting as hell, knowing how long they've been going on. And if you want, if you're one of those people that wants to see things from the beginning, so you get all the ties and the connections and all the after credit scenes, and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot to sift through, which... Bill, you obviously know very well because you had yes. to do this entire thing with the Bill versus the MCU. So, I mean, with, with something like Star Wars, you know, there's a lot of Star Wars movies. And as of recently, there's a lot of shows. But if you you know ignore the animated piece of it, which we don't want to do because that would break Amanda's heart. Yeah, um, would. You know, you could get through all the, the live action stuff within like a month if you really wanted to push it. So um, it's And there's a lot. years and years and years. Between. Yeah, and I think... The absence makes the heart grow fonder a little bit. Like we have to wait like years in between films. I um, mean, and then typically there's a reason why like premiere episodes of shows are so huge as far as the ratings. Cause you know, when game of Thrones, for example, comes back on after it's been off the air for two plus years, you're like, Holy shit, it's finally back. Thank God. I'm so excited to watch this. Whereas with Marvel, like, you know, you're getting the next movie down the pipeline, like a few weeks later, you're getting, this is the release schedule. You're getting something every like two months. So it's, uh, it's vastly different. Okay, and I, I Ben, you kind of answered the next part of it was the spacing probably is the same. That Bob Iger seems like a smart guy, um, but the spacing is probably the best option for them just to make that heart, heart grow fonder because if you're doing essentially two properties a quarter in a show and a movie, that's a lot. And that's a lot to get uh, uh, fall back, fall behind on, and it's just it's it is daunting. And it, for me, years ago was extremely daunting, and that's why I just gave up on it. So, I think it is smart that they're going to do that. But I do think for those who have not seen Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, I would say it's a very different film. Uh, it went; for, it's a very low stakes franchise that got all the stakes put on it in the third movie. But I think it is a good film, and I think this is a, a film that you're we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, "Oh, wait, this was a lot better than I had heard or that I had remembered." Because I think we're going to, as Ben was saying, as the heart grows fonder, because we're going to have let more let more time to breathe. I think we'll realize how good it was. Uh, because if you look at the last two years. We didn't complain as much because we were all stuck inside. So everything was on Disney Plus. So it was like, cool. <laughs> I binged everything else. Ben can only binge Buffy the Vampire Slayer so many times. <laughs> so many. I, 
I also think too having a new villain. I feel like Kang is going to be somebody who re-energizes the Marvel universe. He just seems very captivating and very different from Thanos. And I think having a really compelling villain is going to make things better. I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything about that, but yes, and if you re- even in the negative reviews of this film, the one constant is Jonathan Majors is great. Speaking of Jonathan Majors, go check out our review of Creed 3 that Marissa Carpico posted uh, the night we recorded this as she got an advanced screening. So if you're listening to this early morning Friday and you're like, hmm, babe, should I see Creed 3? Go to thepopbreak.com and check out Marissa's review. That's called editorial synergy. I've only been doing this 14 years. I have to actually learn how to do something in my life. So guys, let's get into the main event. Let's get into The Last of Us. Season six, aka the Christmas episode, because if you didn't realize, this is taken during place during Christmas time. Um, now, before we get into the heavy, because God, it's the last of us, of course, things are going to be heavy. Let's get into the light, let's get into Amanda's favorite things memes. Uh, and there is a fantastic meme out there that literally has taken the internet by storm where Pedro Pascal's character Joel is <laughs> having a panic attack. He thinks he's having a heart attack. St- let me stop myself if I heard that before. Um, and it's just basically a three shots of him like holding on to uh, his chest and <laughs> leaning against something and then leaning against uh, a fence. Um And a lot of people have made jokes about this. Guys, uh, I want you to take this meme and I want you to apply it to something in your life. Uh, I could apply it to, you know, the last two months of my life in reality. But as a joke, I would say anytime that is me, anytime I eat anything spicy as a 40 year old, because it is just I got to lean against something because I'm sweating and then I have to let my heart not stop burning and then i need to sit down because i'm now tired from all of that because i am old uh amanda apply the famed pedro meme to your life right now oh gosh anytime i deal with my mom (laughs) (laughs) i love my mom don't get me wrong but for anybody who's latino listening to this show you know exactly what i'm talking about (laughs) my mom i walk in and what did you do to your hair what what do you mean you didn't have Seth in a jacket this morning? I'm like, mom, it's 80 you're, degrees. You're like, I live in Texas. It's never cold. I live in Texas. It's never cold, except for the one time we get a snowstorm for two years. And it's, you know, I walk in, why does your apartment look like this? I'm like, it's clean. Is it? That's my mother. So I'm Pedro Pascal leaning against that fence with my oh, mother. I love her though. I love her, but she's Latina. That's all I got to say. I, Irish Catholic moms and Latina moms. And, and she's Catholic, too. We're Catholic oh, as well. So you uh, you know. Oh God. <laughs> it's guilt. It's why isn't this stuff clean? It's an eye roll. It's I'm going to throw something traumatic from your childhood at you at the worst possible time to undermine an argument. Doris totally. Oh, you oh just... yeah. Our, our moms are twins. Oh. They're, they're twinning. And my sister listens to this podcast. Sis, that was for you. <laughs> oh. Ben, I hope your mom's cool. Uh I was not expecting her to throw my mom. Like, <laughs> no, no, I was expecting an age thing because that's like what we do. But no, uh, apparently Amanda's mom, she's very nice, but you know, a sweet, sweet lady. She's a nice lady. I can't say anything. She might hit me with a flip-flop. I've heard Latina moms do I've that. I've heard that. I've seen that. She gets the chocolate going. Yeah, I couldn't Run. think of the word for it. Run. <laughs> oh, Christ. Well. 
It wouldn't be the first time I was hit with a flip-flop. <laughs> not by myself, actually. Well, I have hit myself with a flip-flop. Anyway, not the point. Ben, apply this meme to your life. Well, I kind of already know, but, you know. Well, this could have been applied to, to several things. I was thinking about my sports team, and I was like, when you find out your football team just traded for Carson Wentz, that, oh. uh, that would oh. put me in that particular meme status. Uh, but, oh, I remember the day. They oh, traded for him. We, I, I don't think we've, uh, we all felt terribly sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you did see, I, I, uh, I quote tweeted your tweet about the, um, the heartburn thing when you eat wings and whatnot with what you mentioned and alluded to earlier is uh Sarah Michelle Geller posting thirst traps on her Instagram to promote the new Paramount plus show Wolfpack. Respectfully. Uh, of course I had to, to lean on my desk there and gather myself. I wasn't sure I was supposed to continue with my work day in that you know particular Time frame, but uh, but yeah, almost had a heart attack at work today. Thanks, SMG. I go check out her interview on the popbreak.com, uh, about Star Wars Ripples of all things. So, yes, uh, that's so moms, Sarah Michelle Geller, also mom, and um, heartburn. So, there we go, all kind of ties together. Uh, There's a theme there, <laughs> it's just a theme, it's just anxiety, it just, it's just anxiety, and well. Ben in horny jail. So what can we tell you? Uh, hopefully, your wife did, I did see that cosplay, Ben. I did see that cosplay. Somebody made a horny jail with wanted posters. I will find it and Photoshop you in that. Yeah, as as you should. It's Sarah Michelle Geller and Taylor Heineke coming in a football game. Hey, if she goes to any con, I will cosplay as whatever you want me to. If I can come here. <laughs> a bag of potatoes uh so there we go guys so this uh, a lot of this takes place in a, uh, a city i know actually know a lot about for a really random reason uh jackson hole wyoming um i went to a journalism networking event uh my friend's like i'll help you get a job one of the many times i was unemployed and somehow we ended up in ja a, a tourism uh networking event in Times square for jackson hole wyoming where i drank wyoming whiskey which just tastes like shoe leather um, and with alcohol in, in it. And I mean, I've, I've had worse, uh, but it's uh, so I'm just like, oh, I, I know actually a lot about how much of a great tourist spot this is. So uh, which is one of my random journalism adventures. But outside of my stupid story, was this most uh, the most visually stunning episode for you guys this is a, a a series that is based in landscape and it's sweeping visuals was this one the most visually stunning amanda i must start with you oh yes i loved it i just just the the panning of like the river and just the dam i think it was even the the cabin just the, the walking up to the cabin with my new favorite couple um or just it was I just thought, yes, I, th I think it was a refreshing change of pace as well, because everything had been so dark and dreary. And, you know, I, I, I thought this was really well done in that you get some of the, and I know we'll, we'll jump into this in a, a little bit, but I think it gives a little bit, it kind of mirrors Joel's mood when he sees his brother, that initial, like, you know, kind of hope that's there. So I thought it was, I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I felt like this was, it was done on purpose a little bit. And just, it was again, a, a very, it was visually stunning. And not only in that it's it's nature, it's, it's just these beautiful shots of just unfiltered glorious nature. But I felt like again, after watching so much, especially after the last episode mm -hmm. with it being as heavy as it was, I mean, it, 
this was really nice. I think it made it even more visually stunning because everything again had been, you're in buildings, you're underground, you know, it's all depressing colors and lighting. And so this was nice. I liked it. So it was visually stunning for me in multiple ways. Ben, how about you? Yeah, a lot of the, like I mentioned, a lot of the previous episodes were kind of darker, you know. Um, so to me, it definitely was, uh, as much as, you know, I've appreciated some of the beautiful scenes they've been able to do with CGI, like the green screens, blue screens, you know, visuals. Um, I'm always a sucker for like real locations. And, uh, you know, a show like Yellowstone, for example, so much of that show works because of the beautiful landscapes. Um, so you get to see a little bit of that here. You know, you get untouched nature um you know that hasn't been really run over by the infected or us having to bomb the heck out of it so it's it's still it's just as beautiful as it was before uh there's like a couple of shots that stand out um there's like one where they're riding on a horse into the sunset that i just want to like freeze frame that was gorgeous and then um also like amanda talked about you know snow covered mountains uh the rivers and that shot over the bridge um you know especially even though like you see today the like, hbo i guess messed up again where they uh had some of the camera crew off to the side and they forgot to he's not of the shot but you know not quite the starbucks cup scandal but it's it's getting there uh but the um the, the cinematography of this episode was beautiful. I had to look it up. Christine A. Mayer, I think, was the cinematographer for this one. Clearly not at fault for the, the camera crew shot, so we'll just give her all the credit instead. But I didn't even know very, that was a fact, Very beautiful. So. I didn't yeah, either. I would, I would have never seen it, but you know the internet finds everything. So I the did rewatch it today, cup, and you can though. see it. The Starbucks cup was blatant, though. Yeah, that was, that was that definitely was blatant. blatant. That um, was just like, hey, 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 what's that by Lady Mormont there? Yeah, That's oh, what yeah. I imagine they it's just... It's a mocha latte. <laughs> they probably just had like an idea of where the frame was supposed to cut and then they accidentally didn't cut it right there so they're just kind of off on the side and you're like hmm. but uh but whatever it was a beautiful episode i, I agree with you guys it, it it is i think um outside of the shot in the end of episode two where they or episode one i should say where they we see how boston has fallen um i think this is the most stunning because it's um it, it it lends us to hope too it's like this the, like jackson hole is like where when they get there is this this city of hope and it's it, it's it's a beautiful city but i think it's like also shown like ben was saying about how pristine it is and it's just like the beauty of nature and we, i i was just talking to actually my brother-in-law i think the other day about this it was just like there was something that happened during the early days of COVID where people were talking about there was less pollution, you know, the stuff seemed cleaner outside because there was less cars, there was less traffic, there was less noise, there was less everything. And it was a kind of like the serenity that was around everything. But in that serenity as well is that quiet. And we've seen quiet throughout the series, but it was also, it really lended to the suspense of the barren nature of it because the couple, one of them played by Graham Greene, like a famed character actor. You might have seen a Die Hard with a Vengeance. You might have seen him in Thunderheart. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's been a voice in a number of cartoons as well and animated projects. Um, talking about this river of death. So you're you're waiting for this river to appear and just that this haunting silence and you're waiting for something terrible to happen when they're crossing that bridge you're just like they make a sound it's gonna everything is gonna go to shit because that's what we've been trained for but instead of things going bad we're now confronted with the moral crisis of both of joel and how he's now has to kind of face his fears 
as you know as a protector but also face the reality of his brother and the sins of his past so i think this it's a pretty interesting juxtaposition um when i was talking with the um with Alex, our buddy, who is often on our podcast, he's our director of our podcast network we have here um, with Pop Break. Um, he's not the biggest fan of a lot of mm-hmm. stuff in this episode. And one thing he pointed out to me, he's like, he really felt like the emotional journey that Joel had when he first meets Tommy, where he's almost where he's so excited to see him. And then he's super standoffish. And then from the standoffishness, he's like a surly bastard to him when he announces he, he's going to have a kid. And then he's crying and just emoting and just like, you know, you know, just basically having a panic attack talking to his brother. When Alex and I were talking, he says, this doesn't feel earned. This feels like this is way everything is happening way too quickly. We push the fast forward button on everything. We put we injected the nitro right into the heart of this emotional journey. And it doesn't feel earned. I want to get your guys' opinion on that because Joel goes through the gamut here. Does this feel earned? Does this feel natural? Or do you think this was kind of sped up for ex- speeding up sake? So, Ben, I want to start with you with that. Yeah, I mean. I think he's right. Their whole reunion, um, you know, including like the joy of, of him finding his brother. Uh, and then you get like you were talking about the jealousy and your know, betrayal that I think he feels when he's talking to him in the bar. And then then you get the breaking down really honest moments after. And all that kind of takes place within really 30 minutes of the episode. Uh, it's not even spaced out over the entire episode. Um, so it does feel a little bit rushed. And I think you know, this whole thing was the whole show basically is Joel um, getting the wheels in motion, trying to go find his brother, you know, it stemmed from him trying to locate his brother. And then he gets there. Um, he's lost the only other person that he's cared about, you know, in the process. And then it just seems like they would have wanted to stick around for a few more days, even if just to take advantage of like their newfound, like house that they were given and all the, you know, the stuff that they haven't had for a while, just to rest up before they're going to start their journey again. So the only thing I could figure is that, he needed to get her out of there quickly, you know, afraid that somebody was going to discover, you know, her arm or something, but you know, it's winter. She's keeping a coat on. Like I think it could have been okay for a couple of days. I definitely would have liked to have seen it play out a little bit longer, but you know, almost every episode is, you know, felt rushed a little bit because we kind of fall in love with these characters and then they're pulled away from us really quickly. And, and that kind of happened again with this one. But, uh, but I agree. Um, you're trying to cram a lot into a short window here. Amanda, what do you think? You know, this is probably one of the questions I thought about a lot because, you know, at first that was my initial thought was, well, it is very rushed that he's going through this cycle. But then thinking about it, Joel has held in his emotions the entire time. Do you never saw him cry? Really like just let go about losing tests, about, you know, surviving, you know, you're feeling sick, you know, surviving clickers and, you know, seeing two people get shot in front of you. And, you know, the shock of finding Ellie has, is there's potentially a cure. There's a lot that's there that he's been holding in. And I think sometimes when you see somebody and you're like, oh, blessed relief, like I got to my mission. I'm so great. I'm so happy my brother's alive. And then it's, wait, you can't help me? What do you mean? Like, I, I can't get this 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 unloading? Like, what's going on? I, I, think, I, I think a lot of that came out with just Joel, again, already letting out emotion. I feel like in a lot of ways, people would, if you've gone through a lot of trauma, you let it out, you feel safe to let it out. And then you run all the other emotions of, well, 
again, I, I really feel like Joel was looking forward to having someone help him um, and having his brother and they could take Ellie together and they could, you know, there, there's, there's somebody to share the load. And then you find out, well, what do you mean you got, you, you got, you got married? What do you mean you're going to have a baby? What do you mean you can't help me out? What, what's going on here? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I'm old, I'm hurting. I feel sick. I don't think I can do this. Just like his whole, I totally, totally, I think all of that made the scene, which I know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but just his moment of panic and anxiety where that all comes to the surface feel to me, even though it kind of seems rushed, it's still felt organic because I, I think when you let out in any kind of emotional release and you've pent that much in, you're going to get that flood of emotions out. Mm. And so, you know, I, I think I, this episode, I feel like even though, yes, I know the opinion is that it's, it's rushed. I feel like it was actually a little less rushed than some of the others. Mm. Um, because, you know, there's, there is a sense of urgency of we have to get her out. Mm. And I think the urgency honestly came from Tommy's part a little bit because he's wanting to, okay, well, I'll help you, but I, I, I need to get her out. Hopefully so I can get back home. Um, if I get back home <laughs> to, you know, to, to my baby and, you know, my wife, and I just want to get this, I need to get this done. Um, so I feel like there was a little, there was a reason to rush. And I also think too, the discovery that near spook with the dog and everything about Ellie, there is going to be a sense of urgency to get her through now. Um, it's it just, the tone feels like there's a, there was a lot of foreshadowing here yeah. that things are only going to get worse. <laughs> I wonder, my thought about Joel's reaction was he says a line when he first sees Tommy, he was just like, I came to save you. And remember the description of Tommy throughout to, to Ellie is he's a fool. My brother, Tommy's a fool. He rushes into things. He doesn't think things out. I always have to bail him out. He's always making dumb decisions. So he's has this messianic comp, you know, mission in a lot of ways. I'm going to save you. Tommy's actually fine. He's actually doing great. He's running a bar in a great city. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. That, that just looks like a joy to go to. I go there now. It seems great, but it, and he's happy. He's married. He's, he's, he's going to be a father. So it's not only is he's like, I came to save your ass, but you're fine. I don't have a kid, but you, uh, I, the guy I've had to clean up for my whole life, you get to live this happy life where I have lived for God knows how many years and kind of essentially squalor and essentially just being like a feared criminal figure. And I've come to rescue you because I know you're a screw up and you're fine. And you don't tell me you're fine. You don't be like, Hey dude, I'm good. Or Hey, Joel, come live with me. Come, come see me. Come, come start a new here. It's because he sees that his wife, Tommy's wife is like, Oh, I know you're a bad guy. Well, you know, so I feel like there's a lot, he was pissed off that it was just like, how dare you have a life without me? How dare you take the life I was supposed to have or I deserve? So I think that's why that standoffishness comes. But Alex and Ben, you guys are right. It's just like this episode like deserved 10 more minutes. 
you know, and I think maybe that anxiety of Joel kind of because maybe he didn't want to be complacent. Maybe he didn't want Ellie to want to stay there. Like we could have had that build up there. But I think the one thing that really works is that Pedro Pascal's performance, especially in that breakdown scene, is so great because it's something that, you know, many of us can relate to. And in this, it's at, at times it's just a, he's just pouring out what he feels. And we finally get like these little hints from Joel that we've had forever. We now can he fully um, verbalizes it to everyone. Well, let's move on to a uh, much more happy uh, topic. Jackson Hole, Wyoming looks like an awesome place to be in there. Uh, guys, what would you, what business would you, what would you be doing if you were in that community? Because I would be running the Tipsy Bison. That's not even a question. Uh, well, Ben. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I didn't get a chance to see all the options that were available to me, but I did see there was a movie theater. So I, of course, want to go through and be the one that's running the movie theater and deciding what we're going to watch. Maybe it's Dumb and Dumber, you know, again tonight, but uh, I get to choose. I'm not sure. They had it the is, good it is a one, Rocky so. Mountain movie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what their selection is. It may be like the same three titles over and over again, but hopefully not, uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, that, that seems like the, the best job. I'll run the whole theater. Uh, for anyone wondering, the film they were watching was the Richard 1970s Richard Dreyfus comedy drama, The Goodbye Girl. Um, Amanda, what would you be running in that town if you were hanging out there? Well, hanging out, definitely tipsy. I, I'd be like, I'm going to get my drink and I'm going to go to the movie theater and support my friends' businesses. Um, <laughs> but really, I feel like I'd like to be a tour guide, like helping people get settled. And setting the tone like, hey, welcome. You're here. You've survived. Yes, you've seen some shit. <laughs> Congratulations, we now. didn't kill you. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we did welcome. shoot you. <laughs> yeah, you survived. Uh, you're here. But yeah, like helping people get settled, especially like people with kids, especially with all the trauma you, you're sure they've seen. Yeah. Um, I really feel like it's just, that's just me. That's something I've always, you know, I've, I'm always the, the person that if I see like a little kid or like somebody in trouble, I like, I just, that's just in my nature. Um, and so I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that would actually be a good job of helping people get settled, get situated. Hey, how you doing? Like just helping them feel welcome. Like the greeter, I guess. You're, you're a nice lady. That's why <laughs> Ben just wants to play movies and I just want to get people drunk. It's our own ways of greeting people. See, now, I would direct them to get drunk over exactly. there. And I would support your business. I know a place to go and I know where you can watch a great Apparently movie. bacon is coming soon. So yay. Um, that's that's that was a big selling point for Tommy. You know, he really wanted to get into the pork belly industry. He did not want to go sell it. He did not want to go to <laughs> the University of Colorado. But um, one of the other questions I have is about leaving that area. Um, do you think Joel really wanted to leave to help save the world? Or is it just he couldn't hack it because of he was jealous or he would just like just, it just didn't fit? Well, Amanda, what do you think of that? Oh man, that's, that's tough because I feel like if things, if Tommy needed him, I feel like he, and if he didn't have Ellie, I think mm. he would have stayed. I, I, and, you know, have been happy with his brother and kind of, again, just assumed their normal role of, you know, again, you, you brought up a great point with that messianic kind of complex thing, you know, it's, well, I'm going to, we're going to assume that our lives are going to go on like usual. And everything's going to be fine. And I feel like, oh, Bubby, I will fix the TV in a minute, okay? 
and his Xbox just was like, nope, <laughs> we are done. Um, so, but, but yeah, we, I, I feel like Joel would have stayed if it weren't for Ellie and his promise to tests. And if things, if Tommy needed him, he would have stayed. I think if Tommy, if he saw Tommy as he, he was, or as he is independent on his own, I don't know if he would have stayed. I think he would have, I don't think he was ready to change or give up that part of his life that kind of that edgier part. I think he just a sense of enjoyment that he needs to be needed or wanted. Um, and I think when you don't feel that way and you're not ready to settle down, you're, you're, you're not going to plant your roots. Mm. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely like just his pride and like his emotions that got the best of him that were, you know, causing him to leave a, a good situation. Um, obviously, because of Ellie, he, you know, feels the responsibility that he has to complete this task. But um, I would think that the idea would be to to come back, you know, hopefully, like if you know, all goes well, then you can kind of travel back and he would stay there. I think Tommy did say you've got a place here, you know, when you get back. Um, and so I think his intention would have been to come back. If it's me, I'm definitely not leaving the safety and comfort of those walls. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will figure out a way to radio a, a firefly, tell him to meet me somewhere 20 miles away, blindfold him, bring the scientist in, let him do their thing. But I'm, I'm not leaving. Uh, we'll work it out a different way. Um, one question that I talked to both Alicia and Kelly about, or before we get into the, the, the final scene of the episode is, uh, what's, is this, is this show bordering on misery porn? Um, and we all said no. So Ben, uh, you know, this is, um, it's not a happy show. Uh, but we want to know, oh, I want to know from you, do you see this as kind of like, it's just like a Paramore album. It's the misery business. No, I mean, it's... it's I don't know if that's of, an album. I know they did it. I'm not a Paramore fan. I can't help you. Uh, it's, I mean, it's essentially a post-apocalyptic wasteland show uh, where the majority of the population is dead. And if you're alive, you probably lost everybody you cared about. So, I mean, it, it reminds me, I think I did, uh, I did a review of the first season of like Mayor of Kingstown. Uh, and I remarked in the review about how brutal it was. But I mean, it's a prison town show so i mean are you expecting it to have more dance numbers like what do you what oh, do you man, want out of it on, if we could i mean in reality like what do you want um there's you know but there is some levity that's provided i mean there's the great relationship that you get between joel and ellie um they develop kind of that sarcastic way of speaking with each other um he explains football in this episode a little bit and how college works uh, <laughs> and you get ellie's great joke about the dam like that if you didn't laugh at that that's a shame you got to have a few breakups and some humor um you know it would be nice if they didn't continuously introduce characters and then you fall in love with them and then they immediately die but that's kind of an expectation that you have for a show like this. Um, so you, you take what you can get, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's dipping too much into it. I just think that that is what it is. And you go in with that expectation. Amanda, what about you? Is, uh, is the last of us uh, bordering on misery porn? Um, that's an interesting way to describe it. Misery, misery porn. I'm going to save that in my book of phrases. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think, I think, it, I, I think sometimes it gets borderline. But then, you know, again, with like the last episode, it, it that was some of those moments are hard, are incredibly, yeah. incredibly hard. But the show, I think, also balances out and gives you those lighthearted moments, the puns, you know, Ellie's, you know, Ellie and Joel's relationship. Um, you know, I think I think having those moments 
And if, if the show didn't, it would be misery porn. If it was, okay, we're just going to plow straight through and you don't see any character development, that's... If it's like playing the game, the game is kind of misery porn pretty much for me. Mm. And that's why I... I stopped playing for a while, you know, and again, I'm starting to revisit, <laughs> but, um, but I, that's what I feel like is the, the beauty of the show is that they can build in these moments where it saves something that could be classified as misery porn um, into something that you can watch and still enjoy and that you still are invested in that you care about. Um, I mean, I agree with Ben. It does stink that you get attached to characters. Like I hope my, again, my favorite couple that I want to go and hang out at their house because the gun is over there. Um, <laughs> you know they make a mean stew you know, I know. And they're going to be great. I was like, I feel right at home. She's like half my family members. It's great. Um, and just, but those moments are what makes the show really, really special. And I think what hooks people is just the, the, the nice balance between it, the darkness and the sadness and the despair. And then the humor and that there is, there is hope. And yeah. I, that's 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 what keeps it from being misery porn for me. I'm using misery porn to explain me watching the Commanders football seasons from now. I was about to say this is a can it we is. can we can we add that to our that is, podcast? It, it really is. I have, that's like <laughs> my uh, the, the free agency dilemmas of the Giants. This is just misery porn every Dal- day. Dallas is misery porn all the way through. Yeah. I all agree. the way through um, on multiple levels for people it's okay y'all can say it it's okay oh i i believe it <laughs> uh for me i i think like episodes like this prove the show isn't because there were moments of like you got to see something like nice and fantastical not fantastical for this show like you got this beautiful scenery where nothing bad happened it was just beautiful scenery it added suspense because you were waiting for the river of death to show up and just never was there. It was just a myth. And you got to see like them having meeting nice people and kids in movie theaters and, and like Christmas trees. They didn't over hit you over the head with the Christmas thing, but this was Christmas time. And so they were able to like actually, you know, enjoy stuff. And we were, we were actually able to enjoy stuff. We saw monkeys. So, I mean, come on. You know, so it's just like it was stuff like that. It's just like, oh, this isn't bad. This is like here's the we're in awe of some cool things happening and there's civilization and there's there's hope here. And that's what, you know, we're all hoping now that Joel and Ellie end up at it at the end. We want that to be their safe place that they ride off into the sunset to at the end of the series, which probably won't happen. But I think we get that. But we go from that happy stuff to, hey, Joel's got the handle of a baseball bat shoved in his stomach. Yikes. Um, <laughs> um, this is something Alex and I talked about, too. He hated this moment. He was just like, why are we doing the tease of Joel is dead? We know he's not. Like, this is kind of just a cheap ploy. Uh, did you guys feel that was a cheap ploy? Because I think it's a fair argument. Um now in the game, apparently, Alex told me this, and Amanda, that like at one point Joel gets injured, and this is when you Ellie takes over the game and you play as her for the first time. So, given all that, do you think that the the will he die, won't he die thing was needed? I don't think at this time it it was. That's probably one of my least favorite decisions. I understand why because I thought the same way. I was kind of waiting for a longer setup with 
the illness and the heart. Clearly there's like the panic attack. So there's something else wrong. And you know well, that that's going to cause an issue. Well, apparently, it, according to stuff in the game, he has an anxiety disorder. Right. But, but he's also like 60, so his ticker. Well, and that's part of it, too, is you have anxiety, you're you're older, and, you know, that the, the medical care is not there. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we all know, for all of us who have anxiety, that it does, obviously, same here, anxiety club for life. Um, mm. Yeah, right? Um, but, of course, it has harm physiological effects we know this like it stresses yeah. all the different organs it's it's been it's been told many times but we have the luxury of modern medicine whereas that's not a reality in that situation where they're at now or if there is medicine it is at a premium and lord knows what you have to do to get it um Bill and but, frank with his roundies and greenies right, and- <laughs> right? but <laughs> but you know i i think that I feel like that that's an, that might be an issue later, and I, I felt like okay, they're they're playing that card, and that's there's going to be build up to this moment where Ellie is going to have to take over. So for me, that that part with the bat was a little unexpected, and I was kind of hoping that she either pulled somebody or that it would go past that moment, um, or even just I would have been okay if it, I guess like Cliff hanged like with him just a shot of him looking super pale on the horse and then there, the whole him falling and her like hell you know kind of just like we just don't leave me don't leave me i i didn't i didn't really care for that i understand why they did it but i i did feel like we could have stopped it at a different point to keep it from feeling a little cliche Mm. yeah because i my take on this is like okay how does this play out we I, i have enough trust in this show to be like maybe this plays out in a specific way through the next episode where it's just like ellie is like we have the flashbacks to her friend who obviously dies and this is how she gets bitten so we see how she's gonna be able to you know she figures out a way to get joel up and running but again amanda i agree with you if he had like some sort of massive panic attack fell off the horse and then was like he needed to rest and then she explains the story to him of what happened. Like he asks her a question about, you know, you said, you said you've lost. Tell me a story of a loss. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if that was what happened, I think that works better than us flashing to a time when she lost somebody. Like if she was just explaining to Joel, this thing after he has this panic attack, because one thing if you have a panic attack, I can firsthand tell you people talking to you really helps you and takes your mind off the panic attack. So I would thought that would actually would have been a much better and much more clever way to uh, transition into this flashback. Ben, what do you think? I mean, we'll see how they handle it in the next episode. Obviously we don't know what they're going to do with this. If they're going to try to build up the tension of Izzy, isn't he? I don't necessarily think that was even really their intention. I just think it was a, a cliffhanger for a cliffhanger just like a way to break the episode up because i mean there's a previous one where you know they're they have a gun in their face i guess when they wake up and that's kind of how it cuts and then you come back and they still got the gun in their face they weren't trying to imply that they were about to get a shot or anything in reality you know everything's going to be okay but um so i just think it's a way to, to kind of transition to the story that they knew they wanted to tell um and it could take place over like her explaining you know what had happened to her to, to him in bed while he's passed out or something we'll see how they go with it but I think it's just a way to transition into that story that they were always wanting to tell. And 
Um, I didn't take it as negatively. I just felt like a, a cliffhanger is a cliffhanger and every show kind of does it one way or another. It's like tune in next week. That's very true. Let's get into some awards. Uh, first, let's go to maybe something we don't have an award for this week. It's the Tess on Fire Award, where we talk about the most heartbreaking moment of the episode. Oh, maybe we do. Actually, I take that back. We probably do. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> ben, I'll start with you. What was the most heartbreaking moment in the episode for you? Uh, well, to me, it's the the conversation between Joel and Ellie in the in the bedroom where she brings up Sarah, and you can kind of see him retreat immediately, like in his mind, and basically just you know cutting that off. Um, and him saying that she doesn't know what loss is, and then her explaining back to him that you know everybody that she's ever you know loved has either you know died or or left her, and um, if he's going to leave, then just leave. Um, I think that that emotional you know push back and forth was was really powerful, um, and it kind of led to. I guess uh, the next award for me, uh, Amanda. Who? What's the test on fire award for you? It's got to be that conversation uh, with Joel and Tommy. I mean, just just Pedro Pascal nails it again. That's going to lead into I think the next the next category for me. But it Pedro Pascal just oh my gosh that conversation where he's just like I'm I'm not I'm not who I was I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm 56 years old. I'm, you know, it, it was good. It was so good. Just this breaking down moment of, I don't, I can't, I can't do it. And when you, from somebody who's been almost invincible, who's managed to keep everything going and, you know, push the journey. I mean, they made it really far for just two people and, you know, extremely resourceful. So just to have somebody like that show that vulnerability in such a beautiful way, especially between siblings. Um, and I know my sister and I are very close. And I think for me that hit home because, you know, we, when you trust your siblings so much and you, you have that moment where you open up and you're vulnerable with them and you share those moments, like my most vulnerable moments, my sister is probably one of the few human beings on this planet that knows when I have those moments and unfiltered raw, she knows, like, she knows me better than almost anybody pretty much. And so for me, that moment hit home because they seem to have that close knit relationship too. And to be able to open up to your sibling and unload and just let all the emotions out. Oh my gosh, that, that, that broke my heart to see somebody so strong. Just there you go. Uh, for me, it's the same scene uh, for a different reason. Um uh hmm how do you do i get on this one uh when he just keeps bringing up the f the big f word and that is failure i'm just like oh shit the reason i was in therapy for two years uh no, oh wild times uh but yeah i felt that um i i've i've talked about it before on different podcasts and stuff like that uh my own feelings of failure and insignificance and just letting everyone down and What's my purpose? So it was a huge point of uh, depression for me for a number of years. And uh, it sucked. And so I have had that conversation before. So that definitely brought me back to uh, a very, uh, a very shitty time of my life. But I also look at it now, having talked about it and i'm just like wow yeah i've i've been there i could feel that pain instead of just actually being in pain so that was nice but yeah just like having that to talk about that i was just like that it that takes a lot and it is a very um 
it, it, it takes a lot for especially a dude like that who's so like like the unbreakable guy who's just made of leather and whiskey and just like that guy can't have any emotions like that spoiler alert he does uh so that takes us into our next award which is the golden clicker award and guys i think it's a unanimous call here i think we're all voting for pedro pascal here yeah. So, uh, Amanda, I think I have to, by like contractually, allow you to hand him this award um, because of the Bando connection, and he is the ultimate daddy. So he, uh, he is, and I have to take my phone number to that award when I give yes. it to him, and <laughs> make sure he calls me. And like, uh, call idiot. me. I have a kid. It's okay. You're you're good at this daddy stuff. It's okay. Okay. Brandon will understand. He's a good guy. He'll be fine. He's He'll be fine. fine. I mean, you know, he he totally understands. Like we, uh, he's like, I, I've seen your TikTok. It's all Pedro Pascal. I was like, you know what? The interviews are brilliant, though. He's a brilliant interviewer or interviewee. So, so there you go. So Pedro, you know where to find Amanda every Thursday yeah, when we me. record. Just uh, listen to our podcast. You'd be happy. Just DM us at, at the pop break. Uh, we'll, t- we'll we'll set you guys up. Uh, now let's get into uh, tinfoil hat time. So let's get that Reynolds wrap out uh, and talk about some uh, predictions that we may have for previous episodes or some thoughts and theories like where the hell did those fireflies go? Uh, who were those dudes uh, with the very breakable bats and whatnot? Uh, ben, I want you to wrap your, your perfectly quaffed hair and Reynolds rap here and tell us what you think is going to happen uh, in the future. Any theories that you got? Well, I'm not uh, a gamer, so I have no knowledge. Okay. Yeah. It's all right. We're, yeah. We're in that regard. Um, I mean, my basic theory is that we're going to meet some more characters we're going to fall in love with and they're going to die uh, probably <laughs> brutally. Uh, that's a pretty safe assumption. Um, I mean, I, what was weird is I wasn't even really following along with the fact that, uh you know pedro pascal um like we're giving the award like we're getting to see him falling asleep on watch or you know getting stuck up on by another guy i wasn't really thinking about that as him deteriorating um but then we see obviously the the heart you know condition kind of sneaking up so i'm interested to see how that's going to play out but that was kind of like a new thing for me in this episode he had to actually verbally explain it to me for me to understand like why he had a you know a fear of failure as you were talking about so that's going to play out. Um, I think we kind of talked a little bit about what we think is going to happen in the next episode with potentially him being nursed back to health um, and whatnot. And she's explaining uh, what happened to her. So we'll see that. Um, somebody mentioned that there's like cannibals in this world, right? So I'm thinking maybe the people that were in the hospital might have been that. So I'm not sure if the scientists got away, if they got eaten. <laughs> that sounds bad. Those baboons were ominous, though. Like, like the, the random monkeys, monkeys. They just seem mischievous. Do they know you can hang out with the monkeys? The scientists turned out. into monkeys, right? Bill already explained that. <laughs> uh, they're already monkeys. Uh, for me, I think we... Um, it's going to be a tough one, man, because there. I think we, there, there's a few cast people who've been cast in the show we have not run into yet. So I think we'll run into them shortly. I don't think they ever get back to Jackson Hole. I really, really don't. I don't think there's any happy ending for at least one of them. Uh, definitely not this season. Uh, maybe at the end of season two or a bonus question for you guys coming later about maybe subsequent seasons. Um, yeah, I don't have any distinct theories right now because uh, I think we're just going to see what ha- happens with Ellie. And it's going to reveal a lot more about her than Joel understands. So, um 
Amanda, any uh, any tinfoil hats here? Any uh, the dog was actually the guy who crawled through the sewer in WandaVision. Well, I I think so. The that's internet that's talking. my long shitty um, WandaVision theory I had. Like, so remember the dog I killed in WandaVision? So I thought it was the beekeeper, the guy who crawls through, oh. somehow turns into the dog, or like one of the agents turns into a dog. That's awesome. Al also thought like the delivery guy with the shaggy haircut was Mephisto. So we we I'm, had every goddamn theory going and we were so wrong all the time that's the best part about WandaVision though you have all these theories and it's some of them are great some of them are well out the there worst. yeah <laughs> ours yeah, were terrible but... it's okay um so um, and, and what theories do you have here so I think we're gonna I feel like the girl that Ellie in the internet is buzzing about that too with the girl that Ellie tells to mind her own business basically that that girl might come into play um that's the internet's theory again i i think she has some relevance to the game i need to read more upon that because i haven't played that far um but so i i feel there's a lot of foreshadowing i feel like where i joel and ellie are going to run into somebody that is not going to have a good reaction to ellie's arm i feel like ellie's arm is going to get seen and you're going to see either somebody kidnap her or somebody try to harm her because of it i feel like everybody they've been able to explain her um and she's had near misses especially like with the dog or like the she's had these near misses with her ability to to her immunity and it's all been it's all been fairly positive um and hopeful i feel like we're going to see more of a negative connotation to it at some point or negative reaction to it where you know again it's life-threatening so I, I think Ellie's Ellie's immunity is going to cause some more issues down the line. Um, I I have I have one. Here's a question for you guys: Do you think Tommy spills the beans? I wondered. I feel like he might spill. I don't think Tommy will spill it intentionally. I feel like Maria would. So he'll tell Maria, and then Maria just blabs it somehow. That would be spilling <laughs> the beans. Yeah, yeah beans are everywhere. <laughs> And I, I feel like it's somebody's going to spill the beans. And I, I I felt that moment with Tommy, too, where he was just kind of, oh, but kind of pulled it. And I'm like, you, we all know it's it's we well, you got to keep it from your spouse. We all tell our spouses. Yeah. Everyone's like, don't tell anyone. I'm just like, I'm definitely like, you just have to like, assume I'm telling my wife. Just just assume. Now, the nice thing about Brandon is that he doesn't pay attention to it. So it's really the secret to safe. So there you go. There you um, go. But I mean, but that's the rule of thumb is that you you know significant others gonna know so i feel like it's gonna get out and there's i just feel like there's gonna be negative some negative repercussion yeah more so for ellie down the line and i think we're gonna hopefully find out a little bit more about the whole i think we're gonna see a darker side and edgier side of ellie again because we have the whole mall flashback scene you know there's there's all these things about her her past um I mean, she handles a gun fairly well <laughs> yeah. for being 14 for being 14. Um, right. They did now, mention she was trained by Fedra. And I, I feel can't like hit there's that target. Well, this is what rifle. happens when the, when like, you know, dictators come in, their troops yeah. can't shoot. She's a stormtrooper. She is She's a stormtrooper. Storm so, but I feel like we're going to, that's going to come into play too. Maybe teased for season two. But I feel like we're going to get some kind of teaser about her past. But I definitely think there's going to be a negative repercussion soon for her immunity. Before we get into uh, my favorite name segment of all time, Al's wacky, waving, inflatable rating system. Let's uh, a bonus question for everyone. 
so it comes out today that Warner Bros. Discovery, who owns HBO, um, taking a bath, guys. It is uh, the financially is just the bad things are bad. <laughs> things are not great. But I mean, there. Do you think, given the success of this show, uh, that this will span beyond a season two? Which we, I know, we know they are booked for a season two. Do you guys think this will be stretched out into a season three and potentially even further than that? Now, given the context of what I just said, it was just announced like literally before we went on air that um, Succession, one of HBO's prestige dramas is ending this season they are done so they are not opposed to ending seasons shows but what do you guys think do we, ben you start us off do you think we're going to stretch beyond the two contracted seasons well, i assume a lot of that would have to do with uh well i don't know i guess the actors but i was gonna say pedro but we don't know what's gonna happen to pedro after season two anyway uh so I would think that they would certainly love to um, from a financial standpoint, it makes sense. And there's obviously enough material and we've kind of talked about how we feel like the pacing is a little quick on some of these episodes. So a lot of these episodes we've gotten, they certainly could have dragged into to two um, or, you know, extend the story a little bit more. So I'm sure they can find a way to do that and, and stretch it into three seasons. Amanda, what about you? Do you think we get more than just the two? I'm mixed on that because I feel like it's going to wander. If they do a season three, it's going to wander into Game of Thrones territory because right now you have all the source material and you have the writers for the, for the, as long as the, the, the developers or the, you know, the creators of the games are involved I and actively involved with creating the story for season three, I think you could, you could get a good season three. If they are not involved past season two, then you're going to get a Game of Thrones scenario where it's, you know, we're going to make up our own ending and hopefully it doesn't make people mad um, <laughs> like the last, you know, of Game of Thrones did for many of us. But um, because there's only the two games and I haven't heard of any word and, and hope if somebody out there knows otherwise, please say something. But I haven't heard of a third game in development. There's I, I haven't. You know, I don't know of any. I, I want to say maybe there's a multi, another multiplayer game, maybe, maybe in the works that's, that's in the Last of Us universe. But I could see a season three happening if they announce a game, a new game. I would think they would just have to take the source material they have and just stretch it like a little bit, just make two into two seasons. Yeah, they, into two seasons. they could, they could, they could stretch it, and you can get a, a good. Yeah, because there's Alicia keeps mentioning down there's like downloadable content as well. So I guess you could pull from that source material as well. I think they do go to a season three. I don't think they go to season four just because I think you'll just have burnt an audience out, especially you have to see how this season ends. Like they know you're going to have a season two. If this season, if the interest, which I don't think will happen, will wane by the end of this season, then okay, we don't want to do a season two, season three. But if season two, uh, you know, takes a dive, then you definitely won't see a season three. I don't think. Although, listen, we got a fourth season of Westworld that nobody watched. So true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so let's get into Al's wacky waiting, waving, inflatable, waving inflatable uh, rating system. Let's do it uh, on a scale of one to ten, possibly carnivorous monkeys. Uh, how do you uh, rate the episode? Uh, ben, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half carnivorous monkeys. Uh, I think for potentially carnivorous, we yeah, cannot slander them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allegedly, they're Allegedly. carnivorous. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think eight and a half. I think for all the reasons that we've talked about, you know, in this episode, the cinematography is gorgeous. So the, the show looks beautiful. Um, and then we get to see, you know, everybody's kind of had an episode, but we haven't really seen you know, if Mr. Pascal is going to have an episode so far this season. It's definitely this one. Like he owns it. Uh, so it was nice to see that and get all the emotion, you know, from him. So I think that alone warrants the eight and a half at least. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, eight and a half as well. Uh, I don't think it, you know, I think last week was really good. I think, you know, nothing's touching episode three. Uh, but this one kind of was a, a, an odd one because it wasn't this, you know, constant said sense of dread and doom. It was there was more lighthearted moments. There was a lot of great uh, chemistry between Bella and Pedro throughout the episode. They just they just know how to act really, really well together. And the, even though they were on us the same show before, they were never on screen together. It was which is wild. So uh, you would think these two have been acting together forever. Um, I loved the positive, you know, landscape we got with Jackson hole and like the, that entire scene. Uh, and I loved um, everything about the breakdown he had in the machine shop. I loved the, 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 the confrontation between Ellie and, and, and Joel and then their reconciliation. I didn't love the ending of the episode and uh, there was a couple things here and there that didn't work for me, but yeah, still, this show is still killing it on all cylinders. So Amanda closes out. So this is, the show is at a really high standard for itself. I mean, with episode three, and then of course this last episode number five, I mean, oh, oh. my gosh. I mushroom mean, daddies, it, dude. Yeah, mushroom, mushroom daddies. daddies. Mushroom Big daddies. mushroom daddies, too. Word. Um, that is, I mean, it's 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 tough and so i give my rating of eight and a half like again going coming up against some some tough episodes this is still a really really good show um it's excellent it's something i can't miss i'm not it's one of those where i'm not like i'm not even watching it for the pot like i'm watching it because i out of pure enjoyment because it is it is really well done i've been telling people watch this it's so good um so I say eight and a half because it's it's hard to channel or get good energy after again. It's almost like episode four following three. Um, it's still really, really good. But after a really solid performance by Henry and Sam, like that is, ooh, it's hard to follow. Um, but I, I liked the energy. I loved the the as as y'all mentioned, you know the the cinematography. It's beautiful. I'm happy he found Tommy, and I love Gabriel Luna. Just does a great job as Tommy, by the way. Um, you know, and just we're getting him in Dallas, by the way. It's gonna be cool. The Fan Expo. Um, Check out our interview with him when he was yeah. on Agents of Shield on the Popbreak.com. Yeah, so seeing him get to shine a little bit more is nice. Um, and again, you know, Pedro and Bella, they just continue to kill it and. Um, but for me, it, it, I kind of, I guess, missed the emotional Pedro provided it, but it would have been nice to have gotten more of an emotional connection from some of the other, maybe a little bit more from Tommy or a little bit more like, I, I guess I'm kind of spoiled with some of the, the other characters that have appeared getting more of a moment. <laughs> um, sure. You didn't you have know, your heart ripped out this time. I didn't have my heart ripped out and I kind of got used to that. Um, I wanted more of my favorite couple. And that's my other complaint too, is my, my, my faves. I just want to go crash with them for a while and know their story. And, you know, um, then watch them die brutally. And Amanda's just a big fan of misery porn. Let's be honest. Uh, She's a Cowboys (laughs) fan. We know. This is true. But you're a Commander's fan too. So, I mean, that's, I didn't say I didn't enjoy 
I, the misery porn is is real for everyone. So there you go. <laughs> but I, I I feel like yeah, I kind of missed the. I needed more of the punch that I normally get. So it's it was hard. It was it was a little bit. It was a little different, but I still enjoyed it, and I'm still going to continue to watch the show. And I I think this is a foreshadowing because I think the other episodes are going to be a lot darker <laughs> coming forward. So I'll get my gut punch next week. I'm sure. Well, speaking of next week, guys, like I said at the top of the show, this is our final uh, solo The Last of Us review podcast because next week we break back into our boy Mando and our sweet baby boy Grogu. We are back. Uh, I believe Al will be out of the quantum realm as his quote-unquote pim particles will be probably out by then. Uh, And then, uh, you know, we'll also be talking about that huge Last of Us episode seven is going to be a um, a, a special edition uh, for sure. So, guys, let's close out the podcast. Let's tell people where they can find you on social media and give us a pop culture recommendation for the week. Ben, you are our guest of honor. Um, tell us uh, where people could find you on the Internet, what you're writing on Pop Break, and uh, if you got a pop culture recommendation. Yeah, at BD Merkson on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, recent reviews of uh, Paramount Plus show, Wolfpack, starring Sarah Michelle Geller, obviously. Want to check that one out. But uh, recommendations, uh, another show I reviewed, 1923. Honestly, I would just say um, enjoy Harrison Ford right now because 1923 is probably the best Yellowstone property that there's been. Uh, he's good on that show, but the show as a whole is is fantastic. Um, and then also he's in shrinking right now uh, on Apple and that show is, is really good as well. And I'll have a review coming out for that shortly. Um, so yeah, enjoy the the Harrison Ford era that yes. we're in right now. The Harrison Ford Assance. And don't forget dial of destiny is just around, around the, corner. the corner and we'll be doing a whole Indiana Jones rewatch where Ben is going to convince me the temple of doom doesn't suck. Um, doesn't. It doesn't suck, but it's not that good. Uh, but Amanda, where can people find you on the internet? And what anime are you going to recommend for people this week? Well played, because I was going to recommend an anime. So, oh, um, <laughs> um, so I am at Amanda Lorian on Instagram right now. I am posting I, uh, posting content from my Vegas trip because it was my first time in Vegas. Believe it or not, I am I have not been. Hold on, Betty, I'm almost done. Okay, um, I am. Yeah, never been in my years of life and so here we are i've been to vegas um posting now i'm going to actually post some of the cool cosplays so i i busted out my star wars rebels version of ahsoka tano and i am preparing now my clone wars one for this comic con i'm going to be doing in june so i'm posting all that kind of stuff right now um pop culture recommendation um so i continue to recommend an anime called buddy daddies it is really good uh, it is um, about two assassins that they wind up with a little girl. She's super cute, four years, probably about four years old, um, after ass- assassinating her dad during one of the jobs that they had to oh, do. But they, nice. <laughs> the irony, right? Um, but they they save her life. And it's just watching this bond between, she calls one of them Papa Ray and the other one Papa Katsuki. And it's just, yeah, it's, and she's just as cute as a button. A lot of relatable adventures with kids. Um, very heartwarming, funny, and really good elements of drama too. So um, that's available on Crunchyroll. And and then of course, the, uh, the other one I'm going to slide in really quick is Trigun Stampede. That, mm. that one is excellent, you guys. For everybody who's on the fence and you, I love the original Trigun. It's available on both Crunchyroll and Hulu. This is darker, it's edgier, 
Um, the animation is just gorgeous and continues to just give it a chance. You'll love it. I promise. As for me, find me on Twitter at Bodkin Writes, mostly a bunch of wrestling horror shit and uh, stuff from thepopbreak.com. Uh, most recently uh, wrote about the brand new show, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So if you've got kiddos, you would definitely uh, love that show. It's actually really awesome. Um, I have a couple other things in the works. Uh, check out my latest podcast, Anchored in Asbury. It's an interview series. I just uh, did an interview. Uh, it's on the Pop Break Today feed uh, with the um, multi-instrumentalist multi uh, known as Dana Y. Next month, I will be talking to the guys from Prestige Wrestling from the Pacific Northwest who are bringing a big show to Asbury Park's House of Independence. Of course, I'm also the Bill Neville versus the MCU podcast on the Pop Break Today feed. We just did Jessica Jones Season 2, and in March, we'll be talking about... Oh, sorry. Jessica Joe's season one, and I'll be talking about uh, Daredevil season two in March. As for this podcast, rate, review, subscribe if you can. And my pop culture recommendation, like I said at the top of the hour, it was, it is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. It's a lot of fun, but if you want something else, something fresh, something different, and you got three hours, go to Netflix and watch the Oscar-nominated RRR. It is one of the wildest friggin movies you'll ever see it's a musical it's a period piece it's an action film it's uh got elsa from indiana jones and uh and the and the last crusade in it uh ray stevenson there's dance numbers they throw animals there's like heroic stuff it's got like it's the most batshit crazy movie you'll ever see. It is a spectacle upon spectacles, and I cannot recommend it enough. RRR on Netflix. So, guys, next week, it's pack your party bags, people. It's going to be a large one. Mandalorian Season 3 premiere. The Last of Us, the big emotional Episode 7. We're going to be talking about all of it, and I'll see you guys next week.